Week nine is in the books and we're now halfway through the NFL season. What's left to come? Well, we'll tell you here on The Punt Return. Welcome back to The Punt Return. It is week 10 in the NFL coming up this weekend. And again, unfortunately, we are a man down with Nick Splitter on the flight right as we speak right now, back from uh, Philly. On the way home to Melbourne, uh, not the result he would have hoped for with the Phillies uh, not winning a game once he got over there. They led 2-1 and ended up losing, uh, of course, in game six. So, yeah, disappointing for Nick, but an unbelievable experience, no doubt. We'll hear from him next week, absolutely. But again, filling in these shoes, and our great friend, and one that helped us uh, have a great week on the punt as well is James Rosewarn. James, great to have you back, mate. How are you? Great, Brian. Thanks for having me on and... Safe travels to Nick. Hopefully he gets back safe and sound and we get all these stories. Yeah, yeah it's going to be good to debrief with him next week and find out what he got up to other than, of course, um, going to a couple of games of the World Series and, and loving. I know he's got a few family members over in Philly as well, so it would have been a, an amazing trip, just an impromptu one. And um, again, off the back of some 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 good punting on from this pod. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, even though, as you touch on it, the Phillies were disappointing in World Series, his Eagles are absolutely flying. So he's got the, the sort of back nine second half of the season now to really enjoy it. And it could be a Super Bowl at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, he could even get back on the plane. Uh, if we if we have some more wins on the, on the plane, he might be back over Philly uh, next Feb as we, as we um, he might be able to be able to take me and we, we can do a live pod from the Super Bowl. That'd be pretty cool. But yeah, Philly going very well. They obviously beat Houston on a, on that crazy Thursday night where, you know, Houston were obviously playing in Philly against uh, the Astros in the World Series. And then obviously Philly Eagles doing the job on the Texans uh, on Thursday night football to remain undefeated. And it's the first time in their their history of the franchise that they've gone eight and zero. Yeah. And they look amazing. Like we touched upon last week. In, in fact, the, the true story, and it probably was, that's where I'm most loaded in defense as well. They're causing absolute mayhem. They're so speedy back there as well. The Robert Quinn addition mm. is going to cause even, even more problems, particularly dangerous in the secondary as well. They're just real hawks. I think they've, they've, they've already forced on the season 16 or 17 turnovers, or that's their total differential. They're protecting it on offense and they're yeah. stripping away on defense. So it's yeah, that's- a beautiful combo. Yeah, that's that's the that's the key one, isn't it? And they're not just creating those takeaways, as you said. They're they're protecting the football. And Jalen Hurts has been, you know, uh, his the question was him about him. Obviously, was his throwing ability and how how many turnovers he might have. But he's been phenomenal throwing the football, and and they've taken care of it. No fumbles, and it's it's been really clean offense, as you mentioned. Yeah, awesome game management by 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 Jalen Hurts, and yeah. He looks brilliant. He looks like a top. I mean, he's an MVP candidate. He's top three MVP, MVP candidate now. So, and it seems legit. We're seeing it by the week. Improvement by the week as well. So, absolutely. Great. And just having a quick look at their schedule for the remaining part of the season, they play two, two teams above five hundred, which is the Tennessee Titans in uh, about a month's time, and then uh, the Cowboys on Christmas Day, which will be Boxing Day here in Melbourne, uh, which will be unbelievable. Uh, game that one and, and that could yeah shape up especially if they're undefeated going into to play Dallas in Dallas on Christmas Day where are we yeah for people who have backed them number one seed and to win the division it'll be hopefully <laughs> Christmas payout there yeah um hopefully that gets done there it would be even nice if it was done before but I think that will be the clincher once they put miss, Dallas 
play. Yeah, very good. And and that was a uh, bad of me. I actually missed. They've got two games against the Giants, who of course have a winning record as yep. well. So uh, either way, it doesn't look like an overly tough schedule to, on the run home. We've got obviously the next three weeks where they they really shouldn't shouldn't drop a game, and that's the Commanders, Colts, and Packers, who we could probably segue into. And I know we discussed this kind of this game at length last week, and we just had a quick chat before we came on air here. You almost took me out of uh, playing Detroit last week. I still stuck with the money line, but uh, didn't have the balls to tip them in my couple of tipping leagues. But uh, yeah, that Detroit defense, the 32nd ranked Detroit defense, if you don't mind, who have been historically bad this year, picked off Aaron Rodgers twice in the end zone, three times overall, and just made Green Bay look silly and and second rate, didn't they? Yes, three turnovers for the match. And I think it was one of their few sub 400 total yard performances as well, which is when they keep an opponent under 400 yards, the earth shakes. So, and they, they did it last week and yeah, Detroit are my, um, my white whale. I can never catch them. I mean, I like them in the preseason and I, that was one that's a over and under total that I'm definitely getting wrong. I had, I sort of, I teased them out as well. I think it took them to about seven and a half and I thought that, yeah, anyway, that's not going to get there. I just can't catch the Detroit wave. Yeah, look, I, I don't know if it's completely written off for Detroit, especially if they can they can pinch a win against Chicago Bears this week. Uh, they'll get back to yeah. three and six and and potentially um, you know make a bit of a run. But yeah, it hasn't been an ideal start for Detroit. But yeah, we're we're two for the Packers now. Obviously, um, they've obviously lost uh, some more key injuries, uh, especially on defense again. And uh, look, it's it's just not looking good in, in Green Bay at the moment and uh, you know we've got the quarterback blaming again everyone pretty much but himself and it's just stemming from a really toxic kind of situation there in Green Bay at the moment yeah the Rashawn Gary injury mm. is the last thing they would have wanted as well because I guess it was the defense is the only thing that can float their boat you can get about eight dollars or nine dollars now for Green Bay to get a wild card which means you better told me at the start of the year that Nine dollars would be off on offer come November about them playing the postseason or a wild card. You would said, yeah, crazy. But yeah, here we are. And and I don't even think that's. I think that's still well unders to be honest. Like the way they're playing, they're just yeah to the to the the naked eye. It's just it's just been appalling. And and another you know very hard game again this week for them. Uh, um, against Green. Uh, sorry, against Dallas. So you know against that defense, it's just going to be um. Yeah, very interesting watching. I know it's at Lambeau, but that defense against that Packers offense is going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough day for Aaron Rodgers, you'd think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on it later, but yeah, massive trouble. As you said yourself, you, you wouldn't have any confidence in, in having in Green Bay at that price anyway for postseason. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Some other key talking points from last week that we'll just quickly touch on is obviously the Las Vegas Raiders kind of raided themselves again, again, blowing another 17 point lead, uh, which is just, uh, I think they're third, I think of the season already, which is just phenomenal. And um, yeah, it just doesn't look like that, that fit of Josh McDaniels is working at this stage. Yeah. And the offensive line's getting torn to pieces, particularly mm. there They're getting playmakers on defense and they finally woke up and incorporated Adams into the, into the lineup. But even then, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a, the franchise is a mess. It seems like Josh McDaniels every time he coaches in this league is a mess. Mm. Um, yeah, it's really troublesome times. And it's not like they haven't got playmakers on offense. I mean, Josh Jacobs' contract year is a freak. We know Adams is good. And we know Carr's just perfectly average. Kirk Cousins style. Yeah, yeah. Kirk Cousins wins and Carr is just in perpetual loser mode. 
It's it's funny because it's a good comparison actually you make, and and it's something that probably has flipped this year. I suppose Minnesota are, are the Raiders of last year, winning all these close games and 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 kind of sneaking over the line, whereas the Raiders are almost the opposite and and doing the Vikings, which were last year, where you know lost all those close games, and I know they've been in situations where they've you know had huge leads as I've just touched on and and fallen away, but. It just seems like it's one of those one of those seasons where it's completely flipped, and in the Vikings are the one to capitalise, and and the Raiders after had they had that bit of a fairy tale uh, run last year, it's just kind of kind come crashing back to earth, even though they've got far more talent on that roster this year. It's one of those I, as a, as a catch that top to bottom is just concerning with Oakland. I think they released today was it Abrams, a sort of cornerback, first round yes, cornerback, another one gone from a couple of years ago. And this is just over and over. Like last week, I touched on how Baltimore just executes the drafts and yep. and and values those sort of first, second, third round picks like gold. Whereas Oakland is just they're just fungible assets for for Oakland seemingly. Um, and they just don't have that sort of draft develop approach. And then they wonder years down the track why we're still terrible. Yep. Um, so yeah, mass and even the guys that ever hit, it's like, you know, like Hunter Renfo was like a third, fourth round pick, sort of late go, wasn't he? Um mm, he was a late anyway. pick, but I mean he's fallen off completely this year, this hasn't he? After yeah, and a lot of their players are often imports, and they've gone down the import route again with with Adams, yep. Colin. Yeah, it's the same sort of deal with with Oakland and yeah, yeah, this is not very relevant. No, they're a shambles at the moment, and and again, just making up the numbers in what looks potentially like the best division of all time, the AFC West, and then the way Denver and and, and the Raiders have performed, it certainly hasn't lived up to expectation. One one division though, it has, and and it's surpassed it by a long way. It's the AFC East, which is the best division on paper and the best division in football. Just if you look at all those four teams, they're they're all potential playoff teams. A mate, yeah, it's a really good point. Start of the year would have said this is, you know, out of the eight divisions, probably ranking seventh or eighth. And yet, unbelievable. You can, you could, you could make a conference title argument for every team in that division, including the Patriots as well, yeah. based on the, the coaching, based on the defense as well. Um, and the Jets as well. The Jets, Jets have really built an amazing defense. Mm. Um, and we just saw it. I mean, and if people would scoff at the Jets sort of, you know, Super Bowl bona fides, well, they just beat Buffalo. You know, yep. they, they, and, and when they were challenged multiple times, they had to win that two or three times in one game, just held really tough. And it's, it's A, it's toughness. B, it's Robert Sullis coaching. He's got the defensive acumen from San Francisco. And it's a mate, most importantly, amazing talent on deep. Really serious, serious talent. Source Gardner is one of the best defensive rookies I think we've I've ever seen. So you know, he's into two dollars now to win that defensive rookie of the year award, and that seems even still value now. Yeah, guys is a freak. Yeah, he's been unbelievable, and and what a game he had. I mean, uh, Stefan Diggs got that big catch in the uh, probably the opening minute or the first drive of the game where he got 40, 50 yards, and then he was held. Source Gardner was all over him for the rest of the game, and. It was the matchup on paper that everyone would wanted to see and potentially what would decide the game. And that's probably Buffalo's weakness at this stage is that if you can kind of shut down Stefan Diggs, uh, the guys behind him really aren't having that much of an impact. Gabriel Davis, again, was a bit quiet. Isaiah McKenzie hasn't come on like like I definitely thought he would. And and a couple of others, like, I mean, Jamison Crowder hasn't been out there who they acquired, but there's a few others. Dawson Knox obviously hasn't had that same impact in the passing game, but yeah, it was a fantastic win by the Jets, and they, and like you said, they just proved proved to everyone that they're they're legitimate in the AFC. 
just a couple of things on Source Gardner. Mm. Uh, I think his opponent receivers are catching the ball 50% of those targets, which is a minuscule number for a cornerback. Yeah. And I think he's reducing opposition quarterback rating to around low 60s. Like back, he reminds me of the, you know, Revis Island days. Yes. Um, exactly right. Where it's just, you just, you can't go near him. So he's pretty much closing down half the field. Um, and allowing that, like Quinn and Williams has just exploded on the D, D line now. Mosley's doing his thing in, in, in linebacker position. They're fantastic, really exciting. It's good to see Jets winning. And I guess we'll touch on Buffalo when we get to that Minnesota matchup. But for me, sort of the story at the moment in the NFL is like, you know how excited I got last week about Baltimore. Yeah. And it's arriving at that time where Buffalo are looking quite vulnerable. Vulnerable, yep. Um, and we might even have a, a Josh Allen injury as well to deal with. It's going to be, so. yeah, a big one to watch for sure. If he's, he's, he's obviously his throwing arm as well. Uh, so concerns yeah. there for Josh Allen. We know how tough he is and, and he's an absolute beast of a human. But, yeah, certainly concerns Buffalo. They won't want to risk him if, if there's any danger of him doing potentially more damage. And just quickly and lastly on that division is the Patriots that you touched on. And, and Nick and I kind of sat down at, at the start of preseason and thought they would be um, you know, third, if definitely, definitely not second in that top in that division, and you know, third or fourth. And I think mo- both of us had um, New England in third in that position behind the uh, in front of the Jets, of course. But wow, that defense! I know we said it. I've just talked to it. Hang on. So Nick and I just we we kind of talked about the Patriots at the start of the season, and and we just kind of mentioned their defense and and how kind of plain and 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 I suppose how bad it looked on paper, really, compared to what Bill Belichick said at these disposable in past seasons. But haven't they shown up? Matthew Judon's having a phenomenal season. He's got plenty of help as well, and nine sacks. I know they only played the Indianapolis Colts, who are just a um, their offensive line is just non-existent at the moment. But nine sacks and just another dominant, almost shutout victory. It seems this Patriots defense is the exact kind that that Belichick he wants, wants. Yes. and as, you know what I mean. It's it's going to third, fourth round picks, the Dietrich Wises, Bentley. That you know that's this this amalgam of players that he coaches up, and he, he I think those kind of guys work perfect for him because they don't come in with that sort of uh, big clout ego first round studs. He can mold them. He can coach them up. He can get them to where he wants wants to be. And that's why that that kind of thing with Belichick, when players leave the Belichick nest and get big deals elsewhere, it's like, I've, I've squeezed every drop out of you. And I'm happy for you to go. I'm happy for you to go and get your 10 or 40, $50 million contract now. And it's sort of like, he's almost saying, I guarantee you won't succeed elsewhere because I know what your limitations are. Mm. And I was like, yeah. So it's, it's fascinating. He's, in terms of pro sports, it's just one of the most beautiful things to watch a Belichick defense like this, just coached up and he's so thorough, Belichick. That's his thing. Yeah, and and there's certainly no signs of uh, him slowing down. The the issue, obviously, for the Patriots is that quarterback position at the moment, but uh, that defense is certainly uh, keeping them in right in the hunt for the playoffs once again. So we'll move on now and let's have a quick look in week 10. But quickly, we'll just have a recap of last week's um, tips and we did really well we had our lock of the week uh wrapped up pretty quickly <laughs> within a couple of couple of minutes uh Cincinnati just looked like they were going to run away with that game and of course they jumped out to a 42-7 lead uh, before a couple of junk time touchdowns by the Panthers but yeah five touchdowns for Joe Mixon and it was just a complete cakewalk for the Cincinnati Bengals who covered 
the line and, and continued our good form on this podcast with our lock of the week. So another lock of the week saluted. We talked about it at the top. James almost talked me out of that Detroit line, but we got the Detroit line home at the plus. Uh, just missed out on Philly with it by a couple of points. A couple other ones that, that James kind of steered you into was Seattle to beat Arizona. We really liked the the Jets and the Titans to, to cover those big lines and big starts they had against the uh, the Bills and the, and the Chiefs. And of course, the Jets went on to win that game. But the Titans as well really really took it up to the Chiefs and, and covered comfortably. So another good week and a quick wrap up on fantasy that we we got back on track. Nick and I, uh, our team went to six and three and had a good win. So sitting second on the table there with uh, with obviously the guys returning from the bye week. So that was a very handy result. So another good win for fantasy and all going well there. So it'd be good to have my co-manager back um, on deck as well to to talk things fantasy. But kicking us off on Thursday night football, an absolute stinker of a game. And in saying that, though, we did see an incredible matchup between these two teams just uh, nine or ten days ago. That's the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, They go to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Uh, The Falcons go in in this one as the minus three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, So you could easily see why they they obviously the better team, and, and they should be getting the job done here against the Panthers, especially the way they performed last week. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one because it's so much on the line here now for the Falcons. They're actually playing for a division title, which, you know, who would have thought that at the start of the season? So, you know, lots on the line. They'll actually go to outright first in the NFC South if they can knock off the Panthers here, of course. And incredibly, uh, the Panthers stay in touch if they if they somehow beat the Falcons. But yeah, just can't see that happening in this one. I, I certainly don't want to play in it, though, in terms of uh, playing that line. It, yeah, it's an absolute stay out for me, but Probably a few props to keep an eye on. It is obviously going to be all the Atlanta rushing lines. That they obviously run the ball so well. They're fourth in the league in rushing the footy, uh, but only 30th in passing, of course. So, yeah, Darrell Patterson returned last week with a couple of touchdowns and, and is an absolute weapon. So play him a couple of times in your, in your same going multis to, to score a touchdown or, or rush for a big game because obviously they eased him in last week and, and Tyler Algier kind of held down the fort and the, and the majority of the carries. But, yeah, you think it's going to be a pretty... Heavy ground and pound game by the Falcons, and they should get to uh, victory here and and go back to the top of the NFC South. Yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. Like the, the, the I think they'll win. They should be able to cover. I think as well. It's only three points. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Atlanta's the third best team in the NFL in terms of total rush yards, and Carolina are the third easiest team to run yeah. against. Probably most importantly, though, Carolina literally the worst DBO a team in the league that's offense defense combined for that stat. So the worst team in the NFL and yeah, surely yeah. without McCaffrey. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. But you know, they, they were plucky. I suppose they beat the Bucks somehow. I still don't understand how they did that. And then of course, uh, should have beaten the Falcons on that Hail Mary, um, that Hail Mary touchdown, of course, in the last second. So yeah, they could have easily, uh, you know, been at three and six and, and still in touch with that division. But, uh, alas, they're two and seven and, and should be falling to two and eight here. And, and they head towards uh, obviously one of the top picks in the draft. But the Falcons, who have been one of the surprise packets of the season, should continue on and, and get back to 500 with a win. Now we head to Germany, if you can believe it. Munich will be hosting the first ever game in that country of the NFL. The Seattle Seahawks take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is a very interesting matchup. And the Bucs. They've uh, they start favourites in this one. They're two and a half point favourites against the Seahawks. 
and uh, yeah, I don't know why, to be honest. Do you, can you tell me why they're, the Bucks are favourites, James? It reminds me of last week's Arizona line, which confused us both. Arizona mm. two and a half favourite there, and Seattle kind of won that comfortably in the end. Seahawks in from 26 to 7 to 260 now to win that division. Um, it's been an amazing ride. An 89.3% chance now of playing in the postseason as well for Seattle. At the start of the year, that, yeah, it was around 10%. Wow. That absolutely one of the stories of the season. Uh, one of only five teams in the league that are ranked top 12 in both offense and defense. Um, and yet, like <laughs> equally amazing is they could have the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year and the coach of the year and the comeback player of the year in Geno Smith as well. Wow. Like four major player awards. What an amazing franchise. This is someone, who, this is a team who's just has, have, have studied, looked, learned. And this is, I just, I, you know, I love team building and I love thinking about that aspect of sport. And Seattle are the kind of team who they just understand who they are. They understand league-wide trends. They don't. They don't have this kind of arrogant aspect of themselves. And it's just it's wonderful to see. And what they're already in, in competing again, potentially win that division, and they'll be a threat in the postseason as well because they know what they're doing. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal to think that they're they're at top of that division and 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 looking like good things. They're six and three, as you said. They're uh, obviously, the threat now is going to be the Niners. You'd think uh, they've taken care of uh, Arizona twice this season. I don't think they've yet played the Rams, but what's the Rams are dishing up? I don't think the Rams are in contention at all, to be honest, in, in that in that division, let alone let alone the conference. And of course, like you said, Geno Smith has been been an absolute revelation. He leads the NFL in completion percentage. He's just uh, fifth in touchdown passes, throwing 15 touchdowns against just four interceptions, which is phenomenal to think uh, if you think back to the probably the days of him starting back in New York. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Kenneth Walker has been just an unbelievable, uh, you know, steal for, for the uh, for the Seahawks. Uh, Rashad Penny going down uh, hurt them, as, of course, but Kenneth Walker has just made that position his own at RB1 and he's found the end zone six times since taking over in week six. So he's, he's going phenomenally well. And again, he closed out the game with just some barnstorming runs and, and just ran the ball so well. He even got into the end zone again uh, late in that game. So yeah, it's just been a, a phenomenal uh, couple of weeks for, for the Seattle Seahawks. And yeah, I, I don't see why, why they can't go in and beat the Bucks here. And the Bucks offense is just sputtering along. And, and we, as you mentioned, that Seahawks defense has, has been brilliant and, uh, the Bucks have, um, you know, they barely score any points. They, they're only kind of gone over 22, I think, once this season. And Seattle have done that six in their last seven games. So I just don't know if they can keep up with Seattle's offense in this one. So I'll be playing the the Seahawks at the at the plus. I'm very happy to be taking a plus on that game. I, I thought uh, Seattle deserved to be, a, 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 if anything, uh, a pick em, uh if anything, maybe a favorite. So, yeah, happily play the Seahawks here. And, and the Bucks kind of kept their season alive with a with a – a dramatic kind of come from behind victory against the Rams last week, but it certainly wasn't uh, anything to get confident about uh, the way that Bucks offense again looked. So yeah, I, I can't see why the Seahawks can't go in and win this James. Yeah. I think this, I think the Seahawks will win. Won't be a play from me because of the futures considerations. I want to double mm. down and equally disappointed, but yeah, I, w- I certainly wouldn't be touching Tampa <laughs> uh, with a barge pole at the moment. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. 
Uh, this is the game you want to touch on, and it's a it's a super intriguing one. It's the Minnesota Vikings, uh, seven and one Minnesota Vikings going into Buffalo to take on the Bills. The Bills do start big favorites though in this one still, despite Josh Allen's injury cloud. They are minus five and a half point favorites. The total is forty four and a half. James, yeah, that line's in from seven and a half to five and a half. Right. And I think if it was a healthy Allen, could be as much as eight, nine, ten to be honest, but. The concerns now with Buffalo, you touched on it before. Three weeks ago, they were DVO number one for both offense and defense. That slipped to four and six. Matt Milano injury hurts. Um, when you when you lose your best linebacker, it just sort of unbalances your team. It just means everybody else has to do their roles quite differently. Sort of like that defensive midfielder in soccer, right? Like that mm. lockdown inside linebacker selfless kind of player just ignites everything on defense so that's a big concern for for them at buffalo um but a couple of so the the way i'm thinking of that from a futures perspective is you know off the back of what we said last week about baltimore baltimore have moved from nine to 650 for that conference a couple of other plays though uh baltimore to get the number one seed is eleven dollars still on the on the on the boards? They probably would have to win out from here, mind you. Baltimore have the easiest schedule remaining. That's even easier than Phillies, right? So extremely easy Baltimore uh, schedule, and it would mean Buff- Buffalo have to drop two more games for the season. That's very much doable as well. So I'd be yeah, I would definitely encourage the eleven about Baltimore getting the number one seed. Clearly, K- KC is the sort of meat in the middle here. But I think KC have another couple of losses in them as well. Um, and the other thing is, if you're brave enough to even hit against Buffalo again, do you think the $6 for Miami is good enough for them to win that division? So there's a couple of, obviously, bets against Buffalo. Um, and especially now, I just think they're really vulnerable with this injury off the loss. Can they be exploited? So, yeah. Something to think about it for your bills, Ryan. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I, I, I certainly can entertain the $11 for the Ravens uh, to take the number one seat. I don't know if I'd be backing in the Dolphins, who I still don't trust. And mm. Josh Allen absolutely owns them. And in terms of recent seasons, they've they've had their way with Miami in the last few years, Buffalo. And yeah, just just look too vulnerable in defense still at this stage. Miami, well, again, putting up you know, allowing another shootout kind of game, which which of course suits them a little bit with their with their super speedy offense and, and the way they play on offense. But uh yeah, that defense against the, the Bills is a would be a concern for me still. But yeah, I think Buffalo go in and um or hope t- protect their home field here and, and beat the the Vikings whose amazing run will come to an end, I think, this week. But yeah, certainly couldn't take the uh the five and a half point start, especially with the injury cloud as we just touched on 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 Josh Allen, but all the points you made are very valid in terms of the Matt Milano injury and, and a few other factors there for Buffalo. So Minnesota are kind of riding hot and, and again, just finding ways to win. But again, they're just, just a little bit inconsistent. And, and what they did against Washington was again, just fall asleep. They started the game brilliantly. And then just for that middle period, just went asleep where Washington completely owned the game. And if it wasn't for a really bad Taylor Heineke interception, they probably could have won that game. And, and there's no knock on Taylor Heineke because he's playing Amazing football for he for his talent level and and far better than than the the previous quarterback that was in his position uh, this season. So yeah, they they probably 
we'll let one slip there, Washington. And again, Minnesota found a way to win and it's what they've been doing all year and, and kind of, you know, the scenes you saw after the game with Kirk Cousins and and, the, and on the chains on the plane, he he they look like they're having fun and the chemistry certainly lifted since uh, Mike Zimmer's left that franchise. So good signs in Minnesota, but I think their run comes to an end this week. But again, no play for me. Now, a really important – go on, James. Yep, I have got a nice futures one as well. Oh, here we and go. And it involves – whenever I speak about Minnesota, as you know, when we've done this pod, I speak about Justin Jefferson because yes. I think he's – all world talent. Like I think he's probably you no know, top three talent in the league already in his second season. You can get $81 for him to have the most receiving touchdowns this season. Now that's a big price. Okay. He's only <laughs> got three. He's only got three for the season. Okay. But the leader has seven. So, and we're only at the halfway mark. It's being priced as though this is all over. It's finished. Yep. Forget about it. He's got the back half where he could add another, you know, there's no reason why he can't add eight or nine in the second half of the season. And it, over the last five or six years, the average win has been about 13. So it's a low mm. number. Um, and he's the kind of player who, can, who could who could get it in, a, in a, you know, could get a hat trick in a game, that kind of thing. And yeah, I'm all, I, I, I love the talent and I love that price there. And it's sort of a low risk, high reward thing on Justin Jefferson. So one to think about, most receiving touchdowns for the season, Justin Jefferson at $81. Very interesting, especially if you even, I mean, you only need to tie to, to get a really good return on that, don't you? In terms right. of the, so uh, very, very interesting play. And he might be able to sneak into the end zone this week. And uh, so he's quickly snap up that $81 for those uh, futures players. That sounds like an unbelievable price, as you mentioned. Uh, let's quickly move on to the next game, the NFC North showdown between Chicago and Detroit. At Soldier Field, the Bears go in as minus two and a half point favorites. Uh, total 48 and a half, which is a big one after, you know, what we've seen in both these teams the last couple of weeks scoring big points. Justin Fields, wow. That's all mm. you can say about, about this. Like, I don't know about you, Ryan, but there's something about when you see young talent exploding before your eyes and you just think the next 10, 10 years, we're going to see Justin Fields doing this. I just, it's the graceful running, it's the poise, it's the getting better by the week as a passer as well. This is the most excited I've been for Chicago in so long. Um, and it's just really good to see. I think they'll win this. I think they'll, they'll cover as well. But again, I'm banned from anything yeah. to do with it. So, <laughs> so yeah, take oh, that. You know, unbelievable, unbelievable performance last week. The most ever rushing yards by a quarterback in NFL history in one game. And if you can believe what we've been treated to the last couple of years with, of course, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and all the amazing Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, anyone like that, he's got the most rushing yards ever by a quarterback. And I obviously go back to Michael Vick, but wow, unbelievable performance by Justin Fields. It was a shame they couldn't get the win last week for him, but it was a superb performance. He got, you know, they're really talented tight end involved. Cole Komet is looking good the last couple of weeks. Darnell Mooney is finally coming uh, and catching a few balls. And, and we know the talent he's got. So, yeah. Quite cool as well. Yeah. And, and yeah, absolutely. And and look, they're, um, you know, maybe they, they do know what they're doing. I mean, obviously, they gave away two of their best defensive players and, and an absolute start in Roquan Smith. But maybe the eggs are in the basket of Justin Fields and they want to become that bit more of a high octane kind of offense. And they certainly have looked like the last couple of weeks. And and again, maybe that was an admira- an aberration by the Detroit defense last week. So we know they're on pace to be historically bad this year, especially 
against the pass. So Justin Fields could be in for a big day, uh, another career day. And, and he certainly looks like the one, you know, that the, the Bears fans were hoping for when they drafted him and moved up to take him. So, yeah, good signs for the Bears and, and all those Chicago fans out there. We know there's plenty of them out there here in Australia. So let's hope the Bears can can get on that run. And, and they could even be a sneaky wildcard spot team. Yeah, wildcard could be a push, but hey, look, it's the it's the NFC, so yeah, that's eight. I mean, nine could get you in. I think AFC the cutoff would be ten. So yeah, why not? I, don't, I haven't checked that price, but um, I'd probably be wanting around the twelve thirteen to, to, to sort of think about it. Yeah, but I was going to ask as well, Ryan, just on on fields. When you think of all the contemporary sort of speeds as a quarterback, whether that's Kyler Murray, whether that's Lamar Fields. Who who are you taking as who do you think are the best legs from a quarterback perspective at the moment? Well, it's I still think Lamar's pretty special. He's just again we we touched on it. I think it was last week when we said he's he's probably protecting himself a little bit uh, until he gets his he gets his contract and he he gets some guaranteed money. I'm sure he's probably not going to be running and scrambling as much as we've seen in the past. But yeah, it's hard to go past Fields. I mean, the way he's he's kind of run this year and and even the last couple of weeks in particular, he. He's just so explosive. He's got that turn of foot where, you know, he he just he goes from zero to a hundred and so quickly and uh and like you said, very graceful and, and just like light footed mm. and, and yeah, he's he's a pleasure to watch. And, and well look, Kyler's fantastic as well and, and you know he does some amazing things with his legs, but yeah, hard to hard to go past fields at this stage. You know, it's amazing this sort of like era we're going into as well. It's sort of like the idea that if you are solely a pocket passer, you just can't like it's it's flipped, hasn't it? You know, we used to have this prejudice, but there was a prejudice against these kind of running mobile quarterbacks. Now the prejudice is against if you're a pocket passer and that's all you do. It's like thanks for coming, but thanks for no thanks. So it's exciting. I love it. Like I love what's happening in terms of this modern offense now. I mean, and and Josh Allen as well has that as well. He's a bit more of a physical carrier as well. But yeah, it's, it's very very cool. Yeah, he runs over people more than running around him, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. The next game we're going to look at is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're next up to take on the Kansas City Chiefs going into Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs' big favourites once again, nine and a half points, the total 50 and a half in this one. James, can the Jags pull off an upset or at least cover the line like the Titans did? No, I don't think so. I'm I'm with KC this week at home, nine and a half. See, like last week, we we got like 12, 14, whatever it was. Um, I don't understand why that drops down so exponentially. Like that's a significant drop. Um, Jacksonville, weirdly, are, are, are that still a mid-rank. We're ranked 14 for DVOA overall. So the, the underlying numbers are still there for Jacksonville. But yeah, I, I don't... And KC are never going to play as bad as they did last week. They look disjointed. Like we spoke about last week, we said that bye week could sort of um, get them all out of kilter on offense, and it absolutely did. We, they were completely disjointed. Yes, they still, what, squeaked out 20, 23 points in the end or whatever it was. Um, that's not going to happen again. Another one that's interesting here, we spoke about Josh Allen's injury assuming he misses a game or is not at 100%, if you have missed previous opportunities to get Patrick Mahomes' most passing touchdowns of the season and you feel like you did miss out, you can still get $1.90 now, um, which to me is it's either you cash or he gets injured. That's his only opposition there. So I'd be taking the $1.90 on 
I still think that's value from my yeah, nice one. I, I like that a lot actually. That's a that's a nice double down for any of the again futures punters wanting to follow KC in to the run home. The homes leads that uh, market at the moment yeah. and and looks like he uh, will only extend that. He should have a big day of passing against the Jags. And you called it perfectly, mate. You called it absolutely spot on last week that it could the bike would throw him out a little bit and it certainly did. It was. Uh, certainly not uh, what we've seen in the past years by Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes. That offense looked a bit disjointed. They could not get a first down or, uh, you know, stay on the field at, at any point in that middle part of the game. They obviously came up big when they needed to. And again, it was Patrick Mahomes with his legs. He he kind of made some plays and, and there was absolutely no running game to uh, t- from KC, from any of the other running backs. So, Patrick Mahomes made it happen with his legs, got a got a few first downs, um, some really important first downs, which obviously got him into field position. Harrison Buck has been a bit off this year. He's missed a few extra points and field goals, and he again had a had a night to forget last week. So that'd be interesting to see. Obviously, he's been injured as well this year, so that'd be interesting to see how that kind of all plays out uh, in the business end of the season because it, it could easily come down to you know, a, a missed field goal or anything like that later in the season. But yeah, I probably have to agree, mate. I think I think the minus nine and a half is is a nice play there for the Chiefs who who should get back on track. Well, I mean they obviously won, but get back into uh the swing of things and and have a comfortable victory over the Jags, who who did amazingly well to come back. Uh as we touched on up the top. They came back from seventeen points, seventeen nil, in fact, down against the Raiders, completely shut out the Raiders in the second half and you know, they gave them multiple opportunities, the Raiders, to come back and win that game. The defense couldn't quite, or the offense, I should say, couldn't quite uh, seal the deal. But the defense just kept giving him uh, giving him stops and, and did the job. And it was a really important victory for Jacksonville, who who got back on the winner's list. And, and at three and six, certainly not dead in the water in that AFC South, just a couple of games behind the Titans in that one, mate. Did you have any, um, I know you probably had a futures on Jags at, at one stage, didn't you, mate? Yeah, that's that's my other oh, yeah. bad one. To, I mean, I sold out of that, so the damage has been mitigated. There was a I really like Jacksonville to make the playoffs back there, and yeah, they've sunk. I'm happy to have got off that. Just on KC in this game as well, mm. uh, Tennessee last week. That's a real defense, right? We said last week this was one of the reasons why we liked the cover, the top quarter defense in the NFL. Jacksonville, a bottom quarter in the NFL. And when KC get to play against bottom quarter defenses, bad things happen for those teams. <laughs> they played Arizona the first game and put up about 48. They played Raiders and they put up 30. Um, so think about that range for this game. So, And I think KC are going to come out. You know what Mahomes and Reed, Reed are like. They're, just, they're going to be angry at that performance and they're going to put up at least 30 here. And yeah, yeah I, I like them to cover this game. Yeah, I have to agree with you, mate. I like it as well. Uh, next one we're going to look at is the Miami Dolphins, who are obviously knocking on the door for that AFC East title uh, up against the Cleveland Browns, who are coming off their bye week. Uh, they play at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Miami going as favorites, minus three and a half, over 48 and a half, James. Yeah, the league's very best rusher up against the league's very best wide receiver in this game. So mm. a little subplot there. They, they could potentially both win those titles. Um, Tyreek Hill and Nick Chubb, I'm speaking of, of course. Interestingly, Miami, we're just off the back of talking about that firework offensives KC. Miami, number two in the league, and just fractionally off number one, just fractionally off being the best offense in the NFL. And Tua is putting up phenomenal numbers. I think Bill Barnwell tweeted today 
that he in his third season is is on track for the sort of like to be the best ever quarterback that we've seen so early kind of thing. Um, yeah, the numbers are phenomenal for Tua. So I know you've got to sort of look on your face. It's maybe a bit like confused. And I was confused as well when I heard that. It's like, oh, really? And then how much does Tyreek and Waddle factor yeah. into that and Daniel's coaching as well? But hey. Um, he's still doing it. This and he, yeah, he's, yeah, he's been great. Exactly. There was a lot of question marks on, on Tua. Uh, coming into the season, if if he'd be even be the starter, let alone uh, you know how dominant he's been, so he he's certainly proven a lot of doubters wrong. And and you know, despite those that kind of sickening concussion, he's had a phenomenal year. And you know, again, he just he's just fitting into that offense so beautifully, and and everything's kind of been built around him. And such an accurate thrower, uh, the only lefty in the league, of course. And uh, yeah, he's just been putting up some great numbers and almost. Or just over nineteen hundred yards between Waddle and Hill already, which is just phenomenal. And Tyreek Hill looks on track to become, you know, a two thousand yard receiver. And his line at this stage, and it's almost covered. I think he the line was literally a thousand on the dot, which I, which I was very happy to take at the start of the season. And um, yeah, that's yeah, and like Nick Chubbs is is, is is on the other end is is doing the same thing, and just on the in the running game, and he's been dominant. Obviously, sat out last week with the bye, but the concern, of course, for the for the Dolphins. This week is going to be the run game of the Browns, who, um, you know, the Dolphins allowed the Bears to run for 252 yards last week. So, yeah, if what can Kareem Hunt and, and Nick Chubb do uh, against the Dolphins this week, that'll be the the one. And if the Dolphins can stop the run, they'll obviously win the game. But if they can't, the Browns are, are certainly in the contest. And it's funny as well, we, we spoke about the bye causing disruptions to what you're doing. And for Cleveland as well, they just had their best game of the season by smashing Cincinnati. That's the last time we saw them on Monday Night Football. Then the bye comes and interrupts yeah. whatever they had going. So, and then they've got to take that on the road down in Miami. I think Miami will win. Whether Miami cover, I'm not too sure. But yeah, I think Miami, I think Miami are really, really coming along. I can see them going deep as well in the postseason. Like I touched upon before, that six dollars, couldn't they chase Buffalo down in the division? Who knows? They have got that one win on them though, as well. Yeah, it's a very valid point. Actually, I forgot when I when I mentioned earlier in the in the episode that that Buffalo have kind of owned Miami. Miami, of course, did beat Buffalo this year already. So in that that upset game and in that incredible contest where the you know the players were cramping right at the end of the game and and the, the weather's been hot down in Miami and and again that's that's probably the reason I lean to Miami. They've been very dominant at home. Uh, they've won their last ten games, in fact, or nine of their last ten, I should say, at home and and you know can, they play the conditions really well and yeah. As you said, Cleveland kind of had this huge win and, and, you know, would be off the high of that. They have to go to their bye week, which is a shame. But, uh, yeah, a couple of weeks now, and we'll, we'll see Deshaun Watson on, in Browns colours for the first time, which will be very interesting to see. And if the Browns are still in kind of touching distance of the playoffs, it'll be interesting to see if Watson's um, presence can potentially lift them into a wild card berth in the AFC, but it, it is going to be tough in that in that very tough conference. Uh, they'll probably need to win this week if they are to, to stay in the race. Uh, we'll move on to a game that doesn't really, well, it does have playoff implications because the 6-2 and two Giants are back in action off there by they're at home against the Houston Texans who, of course, the worst team in the league at the moment in terms of wins with just the one. Uh, but yeah, they, they could maybe throw an upset, especially after the, the Giants looked a little bit vulnerable last week or last time that we saw them against Seattle. They do go go in as big favorites, six and a half points with the total at 40 and a half. Yeah, Houston are doing that really good job of hanging around just enough 
and getting blown to piece, pieces just late, right, which yeah. from a front office perspective is probably the best case scenario because they're not banking the wins and they're probably still going to get that number one position in the draft. I guess as if in the same way we touched upon the Mahomes factor, most touchdowns can still get a dollar ninety for Houston to be the worst record of the season. Um, and the other interesting thing is if you still believe in Saquon from a scrimmage arts perspective, can he come out on top? Um, this is the kind of game you're hoping that he cashes in and yeah. produces a two hundred game kind of performance. But all of a sudden, that's become like a six horse race to be the scrimmage champion. Yeah, it's the game for Saquon Bar- Barkley, isn't it? Of course, against the the league's worst rushing defense, they've allowed over 180 yards per game. So, it's certainly got uh, all the makings of a big Saquon Barkley day. And on the other end, we've got a pretty talented rookie at running back for the Texans. Damian Pierce had a kind of broke breakout game in in a way on, on prime time last week with 139 rushing yards. Didn't get into the end zone, but God, he looks like a already built running back, doesn't he, for this league? Yeah, and you'd love to see guys still producing and hitting hard in that fourth quarter as well. Didn't run out of puff. Um, yeah, it's good to see. It's good to see. It's, it was a bit of an old school game plan there by Houston, which which was the, probably the best thing they could have done against Philly. Keep it on the ground, minimize turnovers, and enable them to, to hang. You know, and that's been Houston's formula all year. So whether it finally runs out of gas through, through lack of talent, who knows? Yeah, they certainly been blowing teams off the park. So. Uh, you know, the Texans should could stay in it for a long way in this one, but the the Giants should get back on track and 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 improve to seven and two, and you know, stay within touching distance of that NFC East title, which you know I don't think is is going to be uh, under threat from, from at this stage. But yeah, certainly they they're going to be obviously pushing for that wild card spot, and with the Dallas Cowboys in that division as well, it's a it's a must win game for the Giants. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, move on. Uh, we'll move on. Yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers host the New Orleans Saints, another team coming off their bye, the Steelers. The Saints go in as slight favorites in this one, two and a half points, and the total is 40 and a half as well, James. Pittsburgh probably having just about the worst offense in the league. I think, well, they're definitely the worst yards per play offense in the league, 4.9, uh, which is abysmally low and I'm still a believer in New Orleans, and I still think they can win that division. You can still get about six bucks and then doing so. Just on the eye, I mean, if I said to you, Ryan, of those four NFC South teams, do you think New Orleans is the most dangerous? Would they be the least likely team that you'd want to play? No, I'd, I'd still think I'd rather run into the Saints if if I was a, an opposition team in the, in the NFC. I, I think Tom Brady still has... You know, it is Tom Brady after all, and I think that kind of puts the fear into a lot of teams' eyes, especially what we saw in the in the last um, last week against the Rams in that that one minute drill or forty second drill or whatever it was, and, and kind of led the, his team down the field with a um, really predominantly throwing to his uh, Scotty Miller. So, uh, look, I, I still think Tom uh, Tom and the, the Bucks are probably the still standout in that NFC South. I think it just shows you how how weak that division is. The Saints kind of had it. You know, a really big chance to to make a statement on Monday Night Football, and never looked likely against the Ravens. I mean, I know we know how good the Ravens are, but they they didn't really fire a shot. The Saints and uh, you know, Alvin Kamara kind of was a little bit quiet. I mean, he still was probably their best player on the night. Chris Olave again was good, but yeah, that defense again just allowed too many big plays. And and Marshawn Lattimore is going to be a huge in when he does come back. I'm not sure if he's going to be back for this week, but uh, the Saints desperately need him back on deck. And then of course. Yeah, the quarterback scenario is 
how do you do you persist with Andy Dalton or or do you just um go back to Jameis Winston? So yeah, really interesting game this one. I, I think the Saints should win. There's no way you'd be touching it from a betting point of view, though. It's uh it's a definite stay out. And uh yeah. The Steelers, though, I don't know. They might be able to spring an upset at home. They've uh they've certainly looked better with Kenny Pickett under center, but uh yeah, I don't know about uh playing either of these two teams at this stage, but it's a it's a must win for the Saints if they are to stay in that stay in that race and, and stay in touch with the that weak NFC South, mate. Uh, we'll move on to the final game of the early slate on Monday morning, 5 a.m., of course. Now it is the Tennessee Titans hosting the Denver Broncos, who, again, another team coming off their bye after an important win the week prior. Five and three Titans against the three and five Broncos. The Titans do head into this one as the favorites, of course, at home, they go in as minus two and a half point favorites, Denver. Uh, and this is the, actually the lowest total of the week, 38 and a half in this one. Love Tennessee in this game, not just because of last week. I just think this is a real team, well coached, great defense versus an opposite type team that's poorly coached and disjointed all over the park. And now is no Bradley Chubb, obviously. This is his first game that he won't yes. in uniform. Um is it is is this line as low as it is because of the Malik Willis factor with doubts about Tannehill again? Yeah, it has just, to be. It has to be. Otherwise, you'd think, yeah, there'd, there'd be a few more points added onto that Titans line for sure. That's right. And we saw, I mean, I know they didn't do much through the air, but we saw how much sort of variation it gave them, at least on the ground with King Henry as well. So week in, week out, Everybody doubts Tennessee, and all that happens is they either win or cover the spread. 6-2 ATS on the season, which leads the NFL. Um, so that's a that's a strong Tennessee factor. Denver, on the other hand, haven't had a true road win since week nine last year. So wow. a little over one calendar year since Denver won a true road game. Yeah, the London game certainly doesn't count as a road game, as you're referring to, uh, obviously winning in certainly not spectacular fashion against the Jags uh, the week prior to their bye. But uh, yeah, I think I think, you, I think you're right. Tennessee look maybe good things in this one, especially at that line, the low line. And, and regardless of suit, who suits up at quarterback, I think, as you mentioned, they're just well, well, a lot well, more well coached. Uh, they've got a lot of talent, obviously, on in the run game, of course. Uh, and yeah, I just don't like what I see yet from Denver and I haven't all year. So I think Titans, like you said, are a good play there, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. King Henry as well. Yeah. I, he was phenomenal against the Chiefs and, and no doubt will uh, be wreaking havoc against the Broncos back at home this week. Uh, we move on to the later start of Monday morning, 8.05. This one kicking off at Indianapolis Colts, who of course, well, the second team this year to now fire a head coach, Frank Reich, has been shown the door. The Colts travel to Las Vegas. What an interesting matchup this one is. Uh, it's the Raiders that are favorites in this one. They are minus six uh, against the Indianapolis Colts, which seems like a, a high line. Of, I know there's a lot of uh, disruption in India at the moment, but uh, that seems like a high line. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one, James? Yeah, I agree. Six seems high in arguably the least at least interesting game of the week between <laughs> two franchises with probably the worst run top to bottom in the NFL. These are really yeah, two terrible teams. Um, and we've seen the circus that is in the, at the moment, bringing Jeff Saturday in. And Where, where that? does that come from? I, I don't understand. You know, one day sitting on the couch being an analyst for ESPN and, and all of a sudden he's, he's the head coach or the interim head coach. It's, it's bizarre. 
there's a billion factors whether you want to go through the race element of this decision whether you want to go through the analytics mm. element of this decision on both i mean so obviously it's it's really it's really strange that he just go and pick a a white dude that obviously is a former player that has no coaching credentials whatsoever okay fine whatever let's move on from that one we know it's shonky then from the analytics decision the the comments made by Jim Ursay regarding the decision saying I know I'm happy that he doesn't have any experience because he <laughs> he, he won't know about analytics which is scaring front which is scaring coaches and overpowering them so mm. it's just I, I, I find that unbelievable. Obviously, as a stats guy, I find it interesting. But I find it so fascinating that at that high level of old, crusty men <laughs> is this big doom, as in numbers and data. This is a horrible thing. Um, it just so happens that the two best teams in the NFL, Baltimore and Philly, and Buffalo, for that matter, are yeah. three of the most analytically inclined organizations in the NFL. Um without any doubt so anyway strange yeah, strange yeah. strange times it's a bit of yeah. a wake-up because like a hinge like we still live in this reality of these cavemen type organizations and owners so very strange yeah it's an absolute mess uh, and you've put it really well there james it, it's points well made and, and yeah it just seems to be a lost franchise at this stage and and, and it's pro- probably for the better that they've they've moved on from Frank Reich and they can just start again and and potentially build from the ground up so i don't see them yeah potentially tr- oh, again that six points is is ridiculously scary for a raiders team at the moment the way they're playing and with no lead is is safe for them but uh yeah i wouldn't be touching this with a 10 foot pole and it's not a game you'd be uh tuning into i don't think too much uh let that one slide but yeah the raiders uh should bounce back at home you'd think but stranger things have happened let's move on to a contest that is far more talkable uh has a lot more talkability about it and that's the green bay packers hosting the dallas cowboys at lambeau field the cowboys heading excuse me as huge favorites in this one five points and that probably doesn't seem enough for me. I, I think the Cowboys will cover that comfortably the way uh, the Green Bay Packers are going. They look dead in the water. And I know I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for them to kind of come good. And I've given up as of last week. And I was right in doing that last week. And, and I think uh, they just get beaten and beaten down again uh, by this unbelievable Dallas defense. Dak's back. The the run games is working for Dallas. I think they'll just go in and, and smash the Packers. And um you know, get revenge of of the you know the 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 playoff game where Des Bryant clearly caught that ball in Lambeau all those years ago. But yeah, you know, I, I think I think the Cowboys will win and, and win well. Yeah, I agree. It would be no play. I'm, I'm just hoping from the Philly perspective, from a you know that betting perspective, that somehow Dallas do slip up and we get a little bit closer to getting those bets paid out. <laughs> That's my. Still got two games up your sleeve, mate. You'll be fine. And and look, I I don't see it happening this week. I think I think like I said, Dallas will just go in and and you know take apart Green Bay and and you know if Aaron Rodgers can throw two touchdowns, he's done well. I think. But uh, yeah, I've yeah. been playing uh, the pack uh, the Cowboys here in every every sense of the word. I think that minus five doesn't look high enough for the Cowboys, who should be closer to a touchdown favorite over the over the Packers. He would have done really well, Ryan, because this is this is the best defense in according to DVOA, this Dallas defense. And yeah, to get yeah. To get a couple of times, he would have done really Yeah, absolutely. Well. I mean, like the run game was was really solid for the Green Bay. 
the week prior to last, but against Detroit, it just didn't show up. And Aaron Rodgers, of course, was the leading rusher for that team last week. So if that's anything to go by, uh, you know, they can't move the ball through the air. They certainly won't be able to move it on the ground. So, yeah, I think Dallas go in and, and do the business there and, and keep the pressure on Philly, mate. But, yeah, not too much pressure because, yeah, it's still a couple of wins behind. So everything's in good hands there. Uh, let's move on, though, to the final game of the early window of week 10, the LA Rams against the Arizona Cardinals in a super interesting matchup just for the context of this season. And it, it's do, it's it's season over, of course, for the loser in this one, I, I would suggest. And it might already be, but uh, whoever falls here to another loss, it is, it's by far away season over, I think. And the Rams are slightly favorite at home here, minus three five point favorites uh, to beat the Cardinals. Yeah, this is a really tough line. And as you, as you touched upon as well, these are two teams, really, really disappointing seasons. Um, in terms of Arizona, you think that we're in the we're in the final weeks of the Cliff Kingsbury regime, um, and the Rams we're starting to get some squabbling and a lot of sort of unhappiness. Jalen Ramsey had some really negative comments to say about his own offense last week, and mm. cracks are really there. Sean McVay would have been just beside himself angry with dropping that game. That was in LA Rams hands the entire match and just it fell apart late but i yeah. I, it, I would start lean towards the rams but yeah yeah I, I exactly the same as you mate I, I would be you know i'll be tipping the rams at this stage but certainly won't be having a bet or, or playing in this one is i think the line's probably spot on arizona have really regressed this year they've been so poor in every sense of the word their defense if anything has kept them in games and you know, a pick six last week kind of got him back in the game and got him in front against Seattle before they just did nothing on offense. It was the same against the Saints. They they won that game on Thursday night football with, you know, two pick sixes within back-to-back plays. They had that incredible comeback victory against the Raiders where they had no right to win that game and, and somehow the Raiders collapsed and gave them that victory more than the Cardinals won it. I think they've just been an absolute basket case this year and were so high on them last year and, and, and proven right. Both uh, Nick and I really liked them last year and, and, you know, they were flying at this time last year. They were, I think, eight or nine and zip. So they've fallen off a cliff again late in that year. And and pardon the pun of falling off a cliff. I don't think, yeah, the great man will make it out of this season alive, especially if they, if they you know, walk away with four or five wins for the season, which is, is kind of what they're on track to do at the moment. And uh, unless they can, you know, show something against this Rams team who have, have been just so poor. And like you said, they would be absolutely bleeding that they gave up that win last week. Uh, especially after the bye where, you know, like you said last week, Sean McVay would have gone away, had a lot of things to think about and and sorted some stuff out. And and while that offense did nothing, their defense looks better. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, a bit going pear-shaped when the, you know, teams are coming out and they're, you know, blaming each other. And, and that's not uh, a recipe for success, especially so soon after a Super Bowl victory. Let's not forget they were Super Bowl champions only a couple months ago and, they just look like a shell of that team, don't they? Now, and it's it's that old Super Bowl curse a little bit for the Rams this year. But uh, yeah, super interesting game to finish up the early slate uh, of Monday morning. Now, moving on to Sunday night football, super interesting matchup. This one, the five and three Chargers go into San Francisco to take on the four and four Niners. Massive game in the context of the season, obviously a interconference matchup, but. So much on the line for both teams. And uh, the Niners are the big favorites in this one. Surprisingly, so maybe to a little bit to me, uh, six and a half points. The Niners go in as favorites here. 
that it totaled 44, 45 and a half, I should say, mate. Do you think that's a little bit high for the for the Niners? That right? Yeah, I think it's just about right. Like, I think it's taking into account the sort of upswing of of San Francisco and the fact that we never know what we're going to get with the Chargers. This is, of course, um, Ryan, the 1994 Super Bowl replay, 30 years down the track. These two, uh, Southern California, well, Northern California with uh, San Fran. But, um, yeah, this is also going to be the test. If we get, keep on seeing the McCaffrey show. I, I don't know about you, but for me, the Chargers are the hardest team to assess on that week-to-week basis. I never know what I'm going to get from a health perspective. I never know what I'm going to get from a from a coaching perspective. They're just all over the joint. Um, and we just spoke about Rams, Arizona as being two of the most disappointing teams of the season. Throw the Chargers into this conversation. I know they won last week against Atlanta, but hey, this this should have been a real Super Bowl contender this, this season. And look, they're barely going to manage to get into the playoffs if that. And if that's the case, Sean Payton watch. That's my call. Get Sean Payton in there, team him up with Herbert, and we might finally get some competency with that franchise. Well, didn't he say during the week that he he's a free agent and so is Lamar Jackson? So, you know, watch that space as well. But, yeah, no, look, I, I think you're right. I think they're um, – I know it's only his second season, but with the level of talent on on that roster, there's there's no way Brandon Staley can be missing playoffs again. And at 5-3, and three, they're one of the worst 5-3 and three teams I've seen in terms of just to the eye. They've looked – awful and Nick and I kind of discussed this a couple of weeks ago how bad they've looked and you know they just squeaked over the line again against the Falcons almost blew that game with that of course that Austin Eckler fumble late in the game but thankfully Justin Herbert just he's got a laser and, and just did what he needed to do to get him back in field goal range but god they they haven't looked good the the five and three charges and somehow have a better or yeah better record than the Niners who we know just look like a better built franchise at the moment have a lot more ta- oh, just as much talent but have just played um some really poor games and something's got to give in this one obviously because the the Niners have been so good at home they've won six of their last seven at Levi Stadium but the Chargers have, have won five in a row against the Niners so they match up really well I know that dates back to a long time because the teams don't play each other very often but yeah five of the last five uh the Chargers over the Niners but yeah, I don't know if uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams will be back this week, but it'll certainly help Justin Herbert if he can get two, his two best wide receivers back on the field. Austin Eckler's been picking up the load. Josh Palmer was great last week, but again, just worry about that defense against this Niners offense who could do anything, I suppose. And and obviously the Niners, we know how good they are on defense as well and, and how bad the, the Chargers are at stopping the run. So it could be a big day for, for Christian McCaffrey. But uh, yeah, not a game I want to play in, but I think the line might just be a couple of points or a point too much, but I, I certainly won't be playing the Chargers with any confidence in this one. And we'll quickly move along to Monday Night Football, the final game of Week 10. And we've seen this happen a couple of times where uh, the team that's played on Thursday night the week prior has, has had that long break and, and play on Monday night, and that's happened to the Philly Eagles on this occasion. And they uh, host Washington in Philadelphia. they get big favorites, the biggest of the week, minus 11 uh, against the Commanders. Can the Commanders compete at all? 11 points, is it's, it's a lot. And we just mm. don't know those really motivational levels either. You know, um, how how much do they want to put the foot on the pedal? Yep. How much do they want to reveal the playbook? So there's a lot of questions for me, which would definitely not be making me want to go 
pro-Philly. And then I'd probably need to have a think about whether Philly, Washington can cover. So similar sort of situation to the last Monday night game, right? Or the Sunday night game in terms of Tennessee coming yeah. into KC. Um, so a big question on that Washington defense, which has improved. It, it's it, Washington, Washington D has actually been, it's, it's starting to come good. In the, mm. Yeah, it's come good. Um, but still, I, not a kind of franchise that I have much faith in. No. And look, Chase Young still to come back in that team, which you, which will be enormous for the commanders. But yeah, like, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's one of those really tough lines where it's, you know, a huge start for Washington, but the talent level it far exceeds that 11 point line for the Eagles. But you, like you said, they might just want to get, get away with a win and, and not worry about putting the foot down too much and, and making sure they just come away with a victory and, and get to nine and zero. and look, yeah, certainly wouldn't be uh, entertaining any plays in this one in terms of a betting proposition, maybe a few props later in the week, but uh, we can discuss them another time. But yeah, that brings us to the end of week 10, another fascinating week in the NFL, of course. Forgot to mention at the top that the teams on the bye this week are the Bengals, the Patriots, the Jets, and the Ravens. So all AFC teams sitting out on the bye this week. But another fascinating week of football, mate. What's your highlight? Uh, James, to put you on the spot, what's uh, what are you looking forward to most in Week Ten? Um, probably a little bit to see a little bit more of Justin Fields. To be honest, I want to see this this show continue. Um, it's it's exciting. Yeah, it's, I love that. Really, especially well, we, against that. Defense. Yeah, it gets exactly, especially against Detroit and. Uh, I'll be watching Justin Fields very closely as well. I just actually acquired him in fantasy uh, for um, for a draft pick for next year to to get him in the team because Lamar Jackson is on a bye this week, who's been my starting quarterback all year. So I'm looking forward to a big Justin Fields game, hopefully as well. But the the one for me, obviously, will be the Vikings and Bills and and see how the Bills can respond uh, after that loss. And uh, as well, I think I think the most the game I'm probably most looking forward to in terms of a betting proposition is that Cowboys Packers game. But uh, that brings us to that, mate. But we better pick a lock of the week, mate. Was there anything that you particularly liked? I know I was very keen on the Cowboys at minus five. Do you share my sentiment, or is there another way we want to go? Um, I, I wasn't as boisterous on the I could because I could see bloody Rogers getting that late touchdown, maybe backdoor cover. I think we we both kind of like Tennessee to True. cover against Denver, and we both like KC to cover against Jacksonville, um, and even Seattle to to cover against the Bucks. But I I would probably lean yeah probably towards those other two as as more confident plays the the Titans or the Chiefs. Yeah, I think probably. I mean, we we sort of like Titans last week. It's it's never a bad idea to be on Mahomes. Yeah, let's oh, let's ride the Chiefs. Uh, good call. Yeah. I think uh, they'll they'll wake up from a bit of an offensive uh, grind last week and 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 put some points on on the Jags. So let's uh, let's do that, mate. Let's lock that in. Even though it is a big line, nine and a half. I think a double digit victory is certainly well within reach for the Chiefs this week at home. Beautiful. No, I love it. It's nice, good. nice. Yeah, six and three on the year for the locks. So let's uh, really ramp home that and get to. To, to week 10 at 7-3, that'd be very nice indeed. But, mate, again, thanks for the sh- for jumping on at short notice. Nick has left us in the dark again, mate, but he'll be listening on the on the plane ride home, no doubt. So, yeah, thanks again for jumping in, James. We really appreciate it. Good on you, Ryan. Thanks, mate. And we'll catch you again next week on The Punt Return. Go Bills. Go Bills.